Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about equality, inclusion and diversity in financial services. On the podcast, we seek to shine a light on positive progress, call out areas requiring further focus and offer lots of ideas to help drive change. And today I'm joined by John Guy and Professor Mohammed al John Guy is the Secretary General of the Islamic Insurance Association of London. The association was formed as part of the UK government's efforts to create a global centre for the provision of Islamic financial services in London. And John's role is to engage with government, regulators and the wider market to consider how London can work with its peers to drive professionalism, product development and regulatory standards. He has been a respected and award-winning journalist for some 30 years now, which included 10 years on a variety of UK national newspapers, and in the trade media, he has edited a range of insurance titles. Indeed, he was the editorial director of Informa PLC's insurance division that acquired some 37 titles to create the biggest insurance and risk publisher in the world. He's won many individual honours at the UK Financial Services Media Awards, and he's also a fellow of the RSA. John, welcome to the show. Fabulous to have you here. I'm delighted to be on the show and thank you for inviting me. Dr. Mohammed Abdel Haq is a professor in banking and a director for the Centre of Islamic Finance at the University of Bolton. He is also executive director for the Centre for Opposition Studies and assistant vice chancellor for postgraduate developments at the university. In addition to his academic prowess, Mohammed has a wealth of practical experience and a long career in banking in major, well-known international and regional financial institutions. And he is also the CEO of Oakstone Merchant Bank. Mohammed has also held many public sector roles in his career. And in 2011, Mohammed was appointed chairman of the UK Ministerial Advisory Group on extremism in universities and further education colleges. He was a member of the UK Government Task Force for Islamic Finance and has also co-authored a book on Islamic Finance. Mohammed, welcome to the show. I'm delighted. Thank you. Thank you. Splendid. So we're going to open the conversation today with, I, I'm very keen to hear what your focus is for the remainder of this year, particularly. And you're going to a new academic term, I imagine. So, um, John, here we are. We're recording this in September, likely to go out uh, in October. Uh, heading to the end of a very strange year. Can I just ask you, what is your main focus for this year? Our main focus for this year, and thankfully we've been able to sort of move around the or, or work around the remote nature of communication in, in, in the last six months, was to build a consensus of London underwriters that would be interested in creating a worthwhile Islamic Sharia compliant capacity for major commercial risk, you know, across the globe internationally. Um, from that point of view, it's gone very well. We've got 15 insurers that we are actually having some very constructive discussions with. And our key issue, I think, for the last quarter of the year, it would be really good for us if we could move those discussions into maybe some tangible movement where we might, by the very nature, obviously, with the insurance, London insurance markets, a subscription market. And therefore, for that, what we'd like to do is maybe create one possibly two consortiums of underwriters that would all contribute to creating a product that obviously then can be marketed internationally to major Islamic governments, NGOs, and obviously major Islamic companies. So that's our key. I think from our point of view, it would be quite nice to turn that talk into, into some tangible progress by, by year end. 
And as we know, it's an incredibly important market and the international connections really matter. So it's wonderful to hear that. Uh, and also a great to start the conversation today from a very, very focused action plan oriented commercial point of view as well. Uh, Mohammed, let, let me let me bring you in here. So what are you particularly focused on for the remainder of this year? Thank you. Um, well, as an academic, definitely the safety of, of, of our students. I mean, this is an exceptional year for obvious reasons. And at the same time, to try to make life as normal as possible for them. So it is, uh, it's really important to have this mix correctly. We can't stay ideal, ideal do nothing. We have to, to move on in life, but at the same time, we have uh, a clear and present danger, and that is uh, the, the virus. So this is, this is the main point. The other one is to, is to keep uh, innovating, is keep producing new things, keep life going, you know. Hence, the MBA in, in Islamic insurance is, is, is one of them. And as much as possible, I mean, this is all about now, not just having students, is having students and also try to identify jobs for them later on in life. So we are very much engaged. This is basically the agenda. As a businessman, I just would love to see as few as possible redundancies, you know, and I will do whatever I can to, to help. And as, as a father, I would love to see uh, my family well, safe and away from this uh, terrible virus, you know, because they are some of them in universities, some of them in schools, and, and uh, you never know, you know. The one always has to be very careful and praying for safety for them and their friends as well. Yes, absolutely. And it is an extraordinary time to, to be uh, to be in a university at the moment. So I say the reason why I've been really excited about this conversation is because when you think about uh, Islamic finance, and I, and I in my career have worked in Islamic finance to, to a certain degree, I won't say I tend to be a, uh, uh, an expert in it. But every single market at the moment is thinking, is it fit for purpose for today and for the future? Within that, there are conversations around talent, around product, around regulation, around uh, how markets work together. So I've been really fascinated by this conversation because I know the Chartered Insurance Institute and the Islamic Insurance Association of London have been working with the University of Bolton to think about what the market needs and therefore to launch an MBA in Islamic insurance and risk for this academic year. And I'm really intrigued to know why. John, can I come to you first of all, from an industry practitioner's point of view, why is this important? Well, uh, the, the fundamental issue is that the conventional insurance that the London market has written for the last 350 years falls outside the tenets of Islam. So it's, it's deemed to be Haram. Therefore, until we provide a policy or we're providing capacity that is Shariah compliant, that is actually blocking the cream of Islamic talent from not only London and the UK, but around the world for taking part and bringing their skills and you know, a new way of thinking into the London market because we cannot ask young people or Muslims from around the world to come and work in something which basically falls outside of their religious beliefs. So, of course, there are two things here. One is the huge growth in Islamic finance, which means there's a huge opportunity for the market. But the second one is, if we truly want to deliver diversity into the London insurance market, we have to open the doors for all. And this is going to be a key issue for us to open that to Muslims across the world who would like to participate 
in, in what the London market can offer, both in terms of the career progression and obviously the rewards that come to working in the world's oldest insurance market. And, and how wonderful that you're partnering with the University of Bolton and, and, and Mohammed. So tell us about the course. So tell us about the MBA. What are the key tenets of the course? Thank you. If I may just mention one thing about the University of Bolton. The University of Bolton, one of its main objectives is wider participation. And hence, uh, the Center for Islamic Finance. And during my discussion with John and Devin, they helped me to identify the opportunity about MBA in Islamic insurance and risk management. It's an MBA. The best way to understand MBA, there is five core modules and two specialized modules and plus the dissertation. It is 180 credit hours, basically. And one module is about Islamic insurance and one is about risk management. And after that, the dissertation should be on one of those subjects. And it is like any other MBA, but we are specialized on the Islamic insurance side of it. And there is clearly an interest in the market. And why Islamic insurance is important? I don't think this is a philosophical debate. If, if London wants to stay on the top in terms of insurance and finance, there is 2 billion, 1.5 billion. This is debatable. But there is a large percentage of the world population are Muslims. And they are committed to their belief. And interest, which is the main problematic and pillars differentiate between Islamic finance and conventional finance is the interest. It's one of the biggest seven sins in Islam. It's not just about, I am upsetting you. No, no, this is something so fundamental. So most Muslims, they have a serious concerns and issues when it comes to interest. So if the one would like to attract talents to work in this from UK, then we need to have people educated and aware of that. And it's all at the end of the day, it's about education. You know, when, when you have trained forces, then you will have a better product, you will have a better service, you will be more successful. That's basically the program. And one final point, if I may, Julia, this is not, again, this is academia is joining the industry in one goal to support, to bringing people together from all different communities. Which is wonderful. And I imagine the ideas that are going to be inspired from these dissertations, as you say, because they're so focused on uh, finding uh, ideas in very specific areas that you've just defined. So that's enormously helpful. So, John, what, what's your appetite been like? And particularly when you're thinking about the talent, let's look ahead a little, the talent coming out of the MBA and how that will then come back into the workplace. Uh, really look forward to your thoughts on, on on how that's going to work, particularly if this amazing talent is going to come into the industry that doesn't necessarily align with what they want. Well, of course, this is the thing. And, well, the, the appetite for it and, and, and the, the MBA has been roundly welcomed by Lloyds, by the International Underwriting Association, by the London Market Group, which obviously represents the market as a whole, Lieber, which represents the brokers. They can see because, of course, there, there, there are a number of themes that run under this, as we're aware, and we have to be honest and open here. London has struggled with the issue of culture and diversity for many, many years. And, of course, those of us who, who monitor the 
the national media over the last two years will have known some of the, the horror stories that have come through that. And of course, I would turn around and say that you strides have been made. There is still a long way to go. Everybody recognises this is definitely going to be a marathon and not a sprint. However, we, we've started, you know, I mean, uh, both Lloyd's and the London market have started very quickly. And it's quite interesting because we are, as a, as a market, under some pressure from the government to deliver on the, on the access to all that um, obviously um, Prime Minister Johnson mentioned from the outset. And of course, this is the other issue where we're shutting the, um, the door to some of our regions because of the fact that they're, they're heavily populated by, by Muslims. It's, it's not the way to go. What we are finding, though, is that, yes, there's a huge amount of interest, certainly from the, from the market. You know, they're looking at this and see the type of students we get, where that's going to come. And there's certainly an interest to follow this up once we start getting some graduates. And I think there's really an issue. I actually would like to pick that, you know, we'd like to pick that talent. So I think they're very, very hopeful. And as I said, it really is something that the London market is very, very keen to drive. Because as I said, it will be part and parcel of their real strong efforts to try and drive diversity and inclusion across the market. And, and Mohammed, from your point of view, because, you know, you're, you're going to be producing exceptional talent into the market. So where do you see the career opportunities for your MBA alumni and graduates as, as they come into the marketplace? There is definitely a demand and the insurance uh, industry has to rely on experts to be able to meet this demand. And it's about people have trained for that. And hopefully this uh, MBA will provide the answer in, in a professional way. One of, the, one of the challenges facing Islamic finance, including Islamic insurance, is this is not just about reading a book or being a Muslim, it will be enough. It's not. This is a, a professional discipline and it needs a proper training. And I really hope and I look forward to be able to attract young talents from all sorts of backgrounds. This is a way for them, they can make their own ways in the city, basically in London, where it is a center of excellence in all sorts of finances and industry and insurance. And I don't see why not uh, London can be in the top of the Islamic insurance market. And it's fascinating because we have many guests on talking about you know, the changing dynamics of the workplace, thinking about new models of uh, enlightened leadership, which is a really core cool part to driving culture, cultural change. You know, if we want to, and I don't mind calling it out, which is the fact that, you know, there are some conversations around inherent racism in organisations. I think you were likely uh, alluding to, John, in terms of, you know, how, how Britain's attitude towards an Islamic community can often manifest itself. So if you, do, if you take this about how organisations are and how they're changing and how they're challenging themselves, and also about introducing talent that needs to be enlightened in its journey to success... I'd love to hear you know, your thoughts, really, about how you're helping students think differently about how they enter the workplace as well. I think really from the London market's point of view, of course, it, we have work to do alongside the work Mohammed and the, the team at the University of Bolton are doing. Because, of course, it comes back to, as you say, where can the graduates find, find a rewarding career? And if we're keen to do this with London, as part, part of that, this is where that working group comes in. We need to have the underwriting capacity there to then turn around and say, right, we now have roles that fit within those Shirai compliant windows and those Shirai compliant operations that mean that you've got a career path. And again, it has to be a clear career path. I have to turn around and say, Lloyds and London have been very um, proactive 
in terms of driving greater diversity, ethnic diversity in the market, they've set up an accelerated programme to develop minority ethnic future leaders. But of course, the issue with that will be when we get a Muslim student, they do have to have a syndicate or an insurance company that is operating in a Sharia-compliant manner for them to find that space. So that's the sort of compulsion that the London market's got at the moment. We've now set up the ability for that young talent to start learning the skills they'll need, but we now need to make sure that when they've done that and they've done all that hard work, and as you say, they've put in all that, you know, they've come up with these brilliant ideas, we have a home for those ideas and we have a home for that talent. And that's why, alongside what we're doing with the University of Bolton, we're working very hard with the working group to try and set these Shirai compliant windows and capacity up. And, you know, these things are immensely complex, aren't they? But how wonderful to hear how the market is coming together again with uh, the University of Bolton to, to really think about organisations that are fit for the talent coming into them and how the talent then enter that, that marketplace as well. Gentlemen, we have to talk about gender. Uh, it's incredibly important that we do talk about gender. And so, Mohammed, I'd love to uh, turn to you really about, are you seeing any, any best practice about you know how do we encourage greater engagement in not only the MBA but then also in the workplace as a whole, particularly looking at this through an Islamic point of view. Thank you. Just again, as as a real example, instead of just talk about conceptual issues, MBA Islamic Finance discussed between IIAL and CII and University of Bolton. We came with this exercise the product MBA in Islamic insurance as a result the CII led by uh, Vivian they come up with an idea why don't we visit the University of Bolton to speak to your people our students about business opportunities in the city of London and tell them how so it, it is that that engagement ideas and of course, John is invited as well to tell to talk to our student. And of course, when they talk to our student, they will talk about conventional insurance, but at the same time, they talk about Islamic insurance. And after that, you have one one of the challenges I have a firsthand experience uh, is some people from certain background they think they cannot get in, and when they need someone to tell them, no, you can. There's nothing to stop you. This is the Great Britain. This is a country where it's a land of opportunities. And when I keep telling my students these things, they sometimes I can see the surprise in their faces. And so the more, as you said, right, it's all about engagement and encouraging people. And of course, there are some people, they have different ideas and not necessarily healthy ideas uh, or, or positive. But those, in my view, are minority. The real issue is to encourage our youngsters to reach out and to give them the opportunity for the industries, CII, IIAL, and others, Lloyds, and to reach out to a different places and to, 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 to encourage people to come out and by also being a professional having the, the soft skills required and other skills, the professional skills, I, I think uh, we will become more and more successful in terms of making minorities get involved more in the mainstream businesses, including the insurance, of course. 
And of course, you, there you mentioned a reference to Vivine. Uh, we should mention that's Vivine Cameron, who has been really instrumental in, in bringing this collaboration together and has been a real pioneer. And, and she's a real um, inspiration in, in, in bringing the two together. So, yes, absolutely. Um, and, and, and shot from your point of view, you know, we talk about intersectionality a lot in diversity as well. And, and again, talking about you know, encouraging more Islamic women into the MBA and into the industry. Love your thoughts about what are you focused on, what's important and what's changing? Well, I think, again, it's quite interesting. It's quite telling if we look at the London market as a whole, again, as part of the efforts they've made to to sort of get an idea on on where we are in terms of culture and diversity. There was a major study done last year, which is actually quite good. There's There's some good things and there are some rather frustrating things. 40% 40% of the London market is female, which is which is great in terms of the 32,000 people that, that work and touch the insurance market, uh, the London insurance market. However, that's unfortunately where we start to see the issues because of that, 29% of those females are in sort of leadership positions. 18% are in executive committee positions. And then we get down to about 12% who are actually on the board of these companies. So, of course, you know, we have there we have a gender which has got 40%. So they're basically 40%. But that translates to only 12% when we're looking at the, you know, we're looking at the composite of, of boards. There's a great deal of work being done on that, I have to turn around and say. But, of course, the other issue we've got, and I, I totally agree with you, is we really want to work with the University of Bolton and a number of the other associations and groups around the country, CII and some of the, you know, obviously some of the universities, you know, University of Bolton, to, to look at it and, and, as you say, try and explain, look, this literally is, you know, it's not about the colour of your skin, it's not about your religion, it's certainly not about your gender. We want to make sure that everybody feels that they can they can go as far as they can on, on you know, on their own merits. And, and you know, if you, are, if you are good enough, you will, you will have a career path within the market you know, whichever choice you go. So, I mean, from our point of view, it, it, it will be a challenge. I think it will be a challenge. We're obviously working with Professor Abdel Hack and the, and, and the team, but we hold a number of briefings for the London market and we make it quite clear that we are fully supportive of the efforts of the wider London market to ensure that gender imbalance is quickly overcome. And, and let's remind ourselves why this matters, by the way. We always talk about diversity inclusion through a commercial point of view. And we were starting the show talking about the importance of the Islamic finance market as well. Uh, and Mohammed, I'd love to get your opinions or I'll, I'll get your data. If you have any data and insights on you know, Islamic banking and finance, uh, why, why this really matters? Because the commercial opportunity that's on the table. The, the Islamic finance industry, again, there is no specific uh, accurate number, but we are talking about trillions. And the, the bulk of the money is in the banking side. And uh, there is no reason that it shouldn't be in the insurance side. So there is definitely a great opportunity for the insurance market and industry to pay attention to. If you, if you allow me to come back to, to the issue of how we can attract talent from minorities, ethnic minorities, including Muslims, I keep telling my students, the most important thing is to develop the skills how to solve problems. If you achieve this, you will conquer the world. Every employer would want, at the end of the day, that intellectual faculty 
in, in their employees how to solve problems. And if you have the, the, the right level of education where you understand the West as much as you understand Islam, you understand the principles of insurance as much as you understand the principles of, of Islamic law. This is, will be a formidable combination for your career. And you will have two potential careers. Sometimes if you like to do conventional, and sometimes you like to do Islamic or both. It depends how the industry or how the company, uh, the one would work, um, uh, function or, or, or map out the, the career path for, for their people. So the opportunity for, in particular, the insurance industry when it comes to Islamic insurance is substantial. And there is, of course, in my view, the main reason why it has not prospered or flourished is lack of training and, and education uh, in, in this matter. Because of I, I don't, this is nothing to do with, 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 with politics, but because now we have, we are out of Europe, we need now to open new markets. The real, the real growth, potentially growth, is in, is lie, in my view, is in the Islamic world. There are 56 Muslim countries in the world, some of them part of the richest, and uh, including the state of Qatar and including Indonesia and many, many in between. And there is substantial sums of their population. They will only do Islamic insurance. And if they can't find Islamic insurance, they will not do any other insurance. John? From the insurance point of view, we estimate, or in 2017, Islamic global Islamic assets were estimated at 2.5 trillion, which was a 3% year-on-year increase. Quite apart from, uh, and again, if we take COVID away from this, because the, the data I'm about to talk to you about, it will not be impacted by COVID. This is quite aside from COVID. If you look at the London market, and we've done a number of, you know, there's been a number of studies, 1.9%, 1.9% of the, the premiums that come into the London market come from Africa, you know, the largest Islamic continent or most populous Islamic continent on the planet. 7.4% come from Asia, which includes Indonesia. You know, there is a huge opportunity there. What we are seeing in London is that, you know, the Western Europe, USA, our premium levels are, are stagnant. Our premium, we, we, we're holding our own. However, we're losing our our, our impact in, the, in, in those markets are, are, is falling because obviously these are the emerging markets, they're growing and we're not tapping into that growth. Now, quite interestingly, if we go back to Africa, you know, one of the most exciting things we're seeing this year, and, and this was a, a, obviously early in the year, we, we saw the creation of the African Continental Free Trade Association. 54 of the 55 African states have signed to this. The only one that hasn't is Eritrea. All of the others have signed. This is going to be you know, a mirror of what we see with the European Union. In it. There'll be free, free trade borders. It's going to prompt a huge amount of infrastructure because, of course, we're going to see new ports. We're going to see new logisticals, um, logistical issues. We're going to see new roads, new, new, new transport links. And all of this has got to be funded. All of this has got to be insured. And as I said, we're going back to the fact that this is the most populous Islamic continent on the planet. And you know, so from that point of view, we do have a real, real opportunity. And to be quite honest, the market should be picking this up. Swiss Re, which is the big Swiss reinsurance company, um, in July this year, put out um, research that shows that 
in the next 20 years, the emerging market will spend 2.2 trillion on infrastructure projects. Infrastructure is what the London market and the insurance of infrastructure and specialty insurance is what it's built on. So there's 2.2 trillion. Again, only only um, sort of in the start of September, we saw new areas where we, we're going to see the global supply chain completely change. They reckon that is going to bring something like 650 million pounds of new insurance products from emerging nations. If we as London can offer cover in a way which meets sovereign wealth funds and, and government investors in the way it meets you know, the tenets of Islam, we have got a really, really strong USP. And again, going back to what Mohammed said, it's quite true. We've got the reputation that, that the issue we have, a lot of these very financially strong Islamic companies want to be with strong partners. Therefore, in a way, they, they're quite happy to work with the the big Western insurers and go conventional because they want the financial strength. Now, we can offer that financial strength in a sure compliant way. That is going to be a major, major benefit to the market. And of course, we must attract the talent, have the leadership and, and be able to do that on an international scale. I, th- I think that's a beautiful moment there just to pause the show for a second as we turn to Cynthia, who has some research to support today's discussion. The stormy journey of women in Islamic finance, the 2018 Wahid article, outlines that women in Islamic finance have come a long way, especially with the recognition of effort and hard work of the women in the industry through Woman I-100, the first systematically delineated ranking of women in Islamic finance by Cambridge IFA. Woman I-100 proudly acknowledges the top 100 women who are part of a new generation of icons, game changers and driving change across the Islamic finances service industry. Their achievements were not by virtue of their family backgrounds, marital relationships or other default positions, but rather because of their sheer hard work, relentless efforts to pursue professional careers and commitment to the cause of Islamic banking and finance. It is notable to highlight that the top 10 winners were women from various parts of the world. Two from the United Kingdom, five from Malaysia, one from Indonesia, one from Pakistan and one from Nigeria, further highlighting the international standing of Islamic banking and finance. Thank you, Cynthia, and all the research is available on our website, www.diversitypodcast.com. And of course, you can find us on all good social media channels, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, and of course, all good podcast channels as well. And we would love a rating because it all helps to promote the show. Now, th- these are interesting times. We Just before the, the break with Cynthia, we were thinking about the, you know, the economic opportunity that, that presents itself. But these are interesting times and we are working in a, on a global scale in a, in a climate that is shouting economic downturn. So one of the questions I'm asking all our guests is, in your mind, why is it so important that diversity and inclusion remains high on the corporate agenda right now? John, can I come to you first? The short answer, and it's, it's, it's the succinct answer really, is that if we are going to engage with these clients across the world, they are going to want whoever they meet is going to be a mirror to this market. And that has to be somebody that will that is fully capable of understanding the nuances, the cultural nuances, and obviously the different attitudes and different approaches across the world. So from that point of view, 
it's far, far better if you've got somebody who fully understands that and will bring in those ideas back to the London market. Wonderful. And, and Mohammed, your, your thoughts on that? I, I, I agree um, with, with everything uh, John said. But at the same time, those people need to be well-educated. They need to be uh, truly keen and committed. And I think there are plenty of people from ethnic minorities in, in our societies uh, are very keen and they are really very bright people and they are waiting for an opportunity here. And it is, it is important because ethnic minorities is, is, is what make this great society, all of us, great, different. This is where, why we are successful because we are a pool of talents and regardless of the background, regardless of gender, of sex, of anything. And there is nothing I cannot, I mean, it's a simple, we can put it simply, I can't live in peace if, uh, if my garden is great, but, but my neighbors are in a very, very dire situation. So it is the society, it's all about society. It's not, I can't be safe if my neighborhood is not safe. And there is nothing worse than poverty. There is nothing more demoralizing than uh, unemployment, you know, and, and unemployed people. So I would really urge everyone to, to widen the net, to look around and to invite youngsters and to give them the chances. And at the same time, if I may also send a message to, to the youngsters from, from ethnic minorities, be the best you can be. Just try to do your best. Try to impress your employer, not because you are an ethnic minority. You don't want your employer to employ you because you're an ethnic minority. You want your employer to, to employ you because you are the best out of everyone was there, whether regardless the color. And, and that comes through education, through engagement, through being committed, serious, and, and to pay attention to everything, to every details. And, and, but, but, but it is important, you know, to engage everyone in our society. I think those are incredibly inspiring words. And Jasmine, I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed uh, the conversation today. It is uh, not only wrapped around a coercion imperative. It is not only mindful of the type of talent that we need. Uh, we have listeners all over the world. And if you think about the size of the market all over the world and the talent all over the world, it's incredibly inspiring. So I can't thank you both. John, thank you for being with us today. Thank you very much. And Mohammed, thank you as well. Thank you for having me. And as always, to all our listeners on Diversity Podcast, I've been Julia Streets. Thank you for listening. This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by me, Kieran Yates, on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. Thanks to Cynthia Akinsania for her insights. You can find out more about the guests on this week's show on our website, diversitypodcast.com and that's diversity with a c not an s whilst you're there you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates all our episodes are available in apple podcasts spotify or your favorite podcast app if you enjoy diversity podcast remember to share on social media and give us a rating or review it really helps promote the show to a wider audience finally our twitter handle is at diversitypod thanks for listening